Eat up with tax, don't know what to do The Bryson's are here for you We know every tip and trick A serious tax talk with a Louisiana twist Well, hello there. It is great to see you again, and welcome back to another installment of Talkin' Tax. I am your host and moderator, Ryan Ruff, and as always, we'll have the Brysons on here in just a moment to get into another tax-related discussion. As you guys know, that's what we tackle on this show. But guess what? we got a great guest joining us as well. Mr. Brandon Juno, a partner over at the Bryson Law Firm, is going to sit in for today's episode as well. We're going to get his insights into the matter at hand today and really unpack a lot uh, within tax-related issues that deal with the IRS. So. What are we chatting about today? Well, today we're diving into, you know, that that process really of working with an IRS revenue officer on a tax resolution case. So as you've heard us discuss in past episodes, the Bryson and their team working on the client's behalf, uh, trying to, you know, mitigate their tax related issue. Well, sometimes a tax revenue officer from the IRS gets assigned to a given case. And when that happens, well, there's certain leaps and bounds that the Bryson law firm needs to jump over and you know, hurdles to move past and, and of course, some blocking and tackling that needs to be done along the way. So that being said, it's always good, as we've mentioned on this show before, to have a professional in your corner to deal with that tax-related issue. So that being said, hey, let's go ahead and bring everybody on and get today's conversation rolling. Bryson's, Brandon, good to see you guys. How are we doing this morning? Good, good, good. How are you? Good morning. Morning. Uh, yeah, I'm doing well. Can't complain. Uh, we're we're here on another sunny day. It's looking good. I'm excited to uh, get into today's topic at hand. And again, we're uh, kind of really addressing this idea of of dealing with tax revenue officers that the IRS throws our way when a when an issue pops up for your clients. But let me start with this, guys. Today, uh, kind of a high level question to frame it up here for our audience. When does the IRS really, you know, decide, hey, we're we're actually gonna go ahead and assign a, you know, a revenue officer to a particular case? What what a, you know, what really has to happen for an officer to be usually assigned to cases? Well, I mean, yeah, uh, just generally to say, you know, th- these cases are are special uh, in a way uh, because you know uh, usually if a revenue officer has been assigned, there's it's a case that has either several unfiled tax returns. Or the tax liability is over two hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars. The IRS may suspect a crime, so if it's a smaller case and you got a revenue officer, then that may, your eyes may need to be open because they're thinking there's a crime. Uh, if it's a taxpayer that has a history of bad compliance and things like that going on, the IRS will generally get a revenue officer involved. Uh, and and but usually the dollar amounts just to kind of to kind of give you an idea of what we're talking about for an individual tax claim. Uh, for individuals, it's two hundred fifty thousand dollars generally, and for payroll tax, it's twenty five thousand uh, dollars. Which you know, payroll tax, we could talk about that as a whole another uh, podcast if we want. That's another topic. But but payroll tax, with the trust obligations involved there, uh, the amount is only twenty five thousand um, dollars. So that's generally it. it, it you know, of course, there's the case that's been through the computer, uh, what we call the computer automated collection system, and they're just having a real difficult time collecting. They may assign those out to a revenue officer as well, but that's kind of uh, kind of rare, I think. But but anyway, mm-hmm. those are the cases we're talking about. So there are not a lot of revenue officers. You know, it's not like there's a revenue officer for each taxpayer. So they can only handle, you know, uh, and they and their their files are very limited. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I would just add it, it. It's what the IRS considers their their high priority cases. So so if a revenue officer is working it, it's considered high priority. At least from their end, 
Roger that. And, and Brandon, I mean, you're, you're a partner with the Bryson Law Firm. We appreciate you jumping on board today with us. Do you have any personal experiences that you might be able to cite with regards to working with, you know, that hand-in-hand relationship with an IRS revenue officer to maybe get uh, an issue solved for a given client? Yeah, so like Carrie kind of mentioned, uh, once it gets to a revenue officer, it's, it's usually pretty local. You know, I think we've got eight or nine revenue officers in Louisiana, and then we work with some in Mississippi and Texas. Um, but I mean, we've worked hundreds of cases with them. Uh, typically what we see because they, they've been understaffed the, the last few years, it's almost all payroll tax cases. So businesses, uh, and then some individual high earners, uh, with, with delinquent returns, they'll pick those cases up. And, uh, we've worked with, with all of these revenue officers, like I said, hundreds of cases. So, um, we have a good relationship with them. A uh, good working relationship, and I mean, I'd prefer to work with them than than with a computer system. Sure, sure, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's like placing a collect call. You want to talk to a real human being. Um, right. Well, guys, <laughs> you know, we we we've talked about this, you know, in in past episodes, and those out there that are familiar with our show, they know we've brought up working with IRS revenue officers. But today, we're getting a little more granular with it. My next question to you guys would be, let's get into the weeds of what they actually do. What do IRS revenue officers actually do when they are assigned to a given case? I mean, I, their main objective is to, to collect the tax. I mean, it's it's pretty it's pretty simple. Um, the the granularity or the I, I would say the personality comes in with the person that you're working with because you do have a person, so there's a human being there. So um, I, I agree with Brandon. In some of our cases, I, I mean, a lot of them, I'd rather have a revenue officer. With that being said, though, um, it, clients need to be careful. Taxpayers need to be careful because they are highly trained. Uh, they go through a pretty pretty intense training process um, to number one collect the tax. So um, you are at a disadvantage right away as a taxpayer because obviously they've got access to the system and you don't. Um, and if you don't don't know kind of the ins and outs of of tax work and accounting work, then you're already kind of on the on an unlevel playing field. So, but to answer your question, I mean, their their main objective is to get all the returns filed, uh, taxes assessed, and and collect, uh, get get the pl- taxpayer into a, a plan. I mean, you know, which is interesting because it makes me think in almost every case, and I think you know, Carrie and Brandon can probably verify this. Um, one of the main demands that they'll make on a taxpayer right away is, we need you to pay the tax by uh, in thirty days. And, and then most people panic because, of course, you know, they would have already paid the tax if, if they could. Um, mm-hmm. And then they, they're, they don't even know what to do at, at that point, which is so interesting because they don't offer the alternatives right away. Out the gate, it's, I need full payment by this, by this date. Um, mm-hmm. so. And how many times have we talked about it on the show that the IRS is not necessarily going to offer you what, you know, your, uh, your list of solutions or tactics that you might have at your disposal. So again, helps to, helps to be working with you guys, uh, to be able to kind of walk a given client through a uh, question really right off the top of my head here, guys, have you ever encountered uh, circumstances where maybe a client was approached by an IRS revenue officer? Maybe it was physically, maybe it was over the phone or email, whatever, uh, they were approached before maybe they even had been working with you. And then that kind of prompted them, Oh boy, maybe we should seek out some professional help. And what did that situation maybe look like for you guys? You want me to take that one? Yeah, yeah go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of 
I would say maybe half and half. A lot of times it, you'll, a client will contact us after they've had some contact with a revenue officer and, and the revenue officers made them feel uncomfortable. So at that point, they, they want representation. And then you have the other side of things where maybe a client comes in and they've just gotten some some notices about delinquent returns and we can kind of get ahead of them. But we know at some point because of what they owe, it's going to go to a revenue officer. Uh, we prefer that if, if we're on it before the revenue officer is on it. Uh, reason being, they, they'll never have any contact with the revenue officer whatsoever because if we have a, the power of attorney, we're contacted directly by the revenue officer. Um, Sometimes when, when the client's already had some contact, you're trying to figure out what's been said, what's been told to the revenue officer, how much information do they already have? Um, and, and you got to kind of get filled in to see, to make sure you, you, you're on the same page as what the revenue officer and the taxpayer were on. Um, right. Sounds like you can't really be doing a lot of backtracking throughout that process. I mean, you know, once something's out on the table, it's got to be out on the table. Exactly. Just to add to that too. I mean, you know, the stories, you know, a revenue officer, they're actually, you know, they're, they're given a badge, uh, you know, so they will show up where, you know, at your place of business or wherever and flash a badge, which to me is very, you know, it's intimidating scary. Uh, and scary. And it's amazing how people react to, to that. You know, they immediately forget or well, they're not really forget, I guess they're intimidated, but you know, that, that, you know, we're still in this, in this great country of ours and we still have rights and we, there's certain right. things we don't have to say and do, but immediately when they flash the badge, I mean, I can't tell you the stories that I have mm -hmm. where people say, yeah, they came in, they fly. And I said, so what, did you tell them to stop and not come? <clears throat> no, they, they wanted to come on my business. And uh, they got on my computer and looked at my QuickBooks file. And they, they went into the cash register and took money the out of the cash out, and, yeah. and took the cash out of the cash. And I'm like, what, did you just let them do this? Well, I didn't know I could stop them. How, you know, so they are very, um, they're very well trained. Uh, as Angie pointed out, they're trained to collect the tax and they're going to collect that tax. They're, that's their job. Um, so, you know, there, there are things to know. They were going to flash the badge just to, you know, still, I mean, they have no other special rights than any other officer or legal enforcement officer in the country. They have to follow the rules. You still have due process. They can't just walk into your place of business. They can't walk and grab the register without you, of course, letting them in or inviting them in. And it's amazing how they are able to get invited in and get on people's computer and, and get money out of the cash register. It just, it yeah. just always baffle me, you know, that people would allow that, but. Or and just, you know, like disrupt business, come in the middle of a, like a lunch. If you have a restaurant, for example, you know, they'll show up at noon or 1130 um, when the restaurant is full and the well, workers are working and you, you know, um, just to create a kind of a, yeah. a, a scuttlebutt, you know, yeah. a hullabaloo. They're not there uh, to eat lunch. Yeah. No. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, lunch ride. Yeah. So, you know, sure. and that's, yeah. uh, that's what I would say is kind of, it's, it's an intimidating thing. Uh, I think, and, 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 you know, of course it's very self-serving, but one of the benefits, I think Brandon may have alluded to it yeah. is of having representation is that once we have our, our notification on file that they're represented, they're no, just like in any other criminal matter, any other, any matter, once a lawyer's involved, they have to come to the lawyer. They can't go straight to the, they can't bypass the lawyer and go straight to the, to the client or to the taxpayer anymore. So that is a great benefit is that you really don't have to deal with the revenue officer one-on-one you know, we, we would deal with them and, yeah. you know, and then, so that, that's, that's a great benefit. 
Yeah. So real quick though, I mean, cause it sounds to me, obviously you said they're highly trained. They can be intimidating in some instances. Let's backtrack for a hot second for those out there, maybe scratching their head a little bit that are thinking, well, I file my taxes online and it just goes through this way. And I go through the automatic system. Walk us through real quick. Let's clear that up in terms of how a revenue officer really is different than um, the ACS really those collection services. I'll pitch that one to Brandon. <laughs> He's here today. Um, so, I mean, what automated collect that you're basically going against a computer. So a computer's generating these notices of balances due. If the IRS isn't, isn't getting responses to those notices, or really if, if, if the dollar value gets over, I think carry revenue, $250,000 is the threshold for an individual. Or if you have on the payroll tax side with businesses, once you get to a, thir a certain threshold, you get you can't be dealt with by the automated collections at that point. Uh, mm -hmm. So it goes into a queue, and then when there's a spot open for a revenue officer's inventory to take a case, they select it based on priority. And mm -hmm. if you're at the top of their priority list and it gets assigned to a revenue officer, then that revenue officer has that case until it's resolved. Um, and at that point, you, your sole person dealing with it, the IRS, is the revenue officer now you do guys have got a quick right you can always go through appeals but you, you're out of automated collections the collection officer you're dealing with at that point is that revenue officer i, I, I want to uh, uh add to what brandon said about automated collections just so we understand mm -hmm. yeah you know, it's computer generated notices and things like that but there is a number to call on there and when you call you're not talking to the computer that is a person that you call right. there's campuses across the country iris campuses and you know your number just goes into the to the rotation, and you call. That's why people always say, "Man, I call, but I never get the same person right. twice." And you never will. I mean, there's you. It just gets whoever answers that phone across the country. You're not even going to get the same city twice, much less the same person. So you get the and if that if that first person didn't enter the correct notes or enter the wrong notes or didn't enter enter any at all, then that next person has no idea what you're talking about, and you're kind of starting all over and starting all over. So it's, and that's what, and then when Brandon and, and us, we talk about, I mean, we'd rather deal with a revenue officer because the revenue officers are going to enter all the notes. Everything's trained and things are done. It's a, it's, it's a lot more professional. Whereas, first of all, when you call that number on the computer generated notices, you're going to sit on the phone on hold for two hours. A long time. It's, I mean, mm -hmm. it's hours. It's not just one hour. It's a long time to get an answer. Uh, so anyway, so I just wanted to point that out. It's a little bit different. And that's why. You know, um, that's one of the main reasons why we don't really like computer generated notice because it's very hard to get anything done. They just yeah, it's yeah. hard to get something done with them. All right. Sure, sure. On the flip side with the revenue, before they even make their contact, they know where you work. They yeah. they have an idea of your income. They've already done a public record search. They've searched real property records. So they do a little bit of homework beforehand and they have an idea of what you own, what real estate you own, where where you work, what your income was the last year. They know where you bank. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, speaking, you know, guys, a uh, quick caveat before we get right back on track here. You know, one thing that we've talked about, especially in the last few months of, of episodes that we've done together is, is the idea of the IRS being so behind as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. Let me ask you this then in your experiences, you know, uh, Brandon had mentioned the queue, you know, of IRS revenue officers that exist. Do, have you found any people uh, wondering, well, Hey, you know, I've been kind of flying under the radar and maybe I exceed that 250,000 threshold. 
but I haven't had an IRS revenue officer assigned to my case yet. So maybe this is just kind of washing away. Maybe there's, maybe I don't have to worry about anything. Have you found examples of that? And then sure enough, they do come knocking when that day comes. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I, I can speak to this one a little. I mean, we have a tons of clients that are in that queue and to me, that's the best part. If they have representation and someone to, to guide them, you either get out of the queue because you get it below the threshold or, or you do things voluntarily without this revenue officer telling what you have to do. And you're set up to where when that day comes, it's a lot easier to work with them. You're not, you're not just, I mean, we get them current compliant, make, make payments to try to limit their personal liability exposure on the payroll taxes. So when you're in the queue, it's a good spot to be if you're actively, uh, if you're actively working the case or have someone guiding you to, to get, get in position for, for dealing with a revenue officer. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So guys, you know, Carrie, you had mentioned the, the colorful uh, example of an IRS revenue officer showing up and even ripping money right out of a cash register to be able to collect that debt. But in a more formal sense, what are the actions and collection actions that is that a revenue officer can take, you know, maybe through paperwork X, Y, and Z that maybe sting a little bit more than the few hundred dollars that were sitting in a, uh, you know, in a cash register at your business. I mean, they have the traditional um, levies, liens, um, those are the two big ones. They can seize real property, which is, um, well, only a revenue officer can seize real property. So the computer can't, right. So if they're going to make it's a seizure go on property, legal. it's going to go through a revenue officer, right. which then has to go through the legal. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a lot of work for a revenue officer to seize real property, like your building or, you know, any assets, planes, I mean, homes, whatever, but, um, mm -hmm. so it's, it's rare. It does happen, uh, especially in cases where the taxpayer is being very elusive uh, uncooperative and has a long history of, of not responding to the revenue officer. So, you know, um, but those are the big ones. I mean, you know, garnish the, the, what's, what's sort of atypical, um, in with a business is, and revenue officers are really good at this. Um, they will levy accounts receivable. Right. So, for example, if, if you have a lawn company and you're cutting grass for, you know, a hundred, hundred people, they will subpoena uh, and obtain through their, you know, super, super creditor mechanisms, um, a list of all of your, your clients, basically, and they will issue levies to all of your accounts receivable, which really paralyzes a business. Um, and that's kind of the big stick in the business revenue officer world that that I can think of. But uh, normally, they have tr traditional type mechanisms. I don't know, Brandon, you have some. Yeah, sort of no, pre I, I agree. I, I mean, that's their, I guess their, their big tool is they ask you for a list of accounts receivable or they get your bank statements and see who you're paying. And if you don't get them what they request or you miss deadlines, they're going straight to who pays you. And then once, mm -hmm. once customers or clients start getting that, a lot of them, depending on what business, well, I don't want to, I don't want to get involved with the IRS. So they just go find a new, uh, someone else to take care of their lawn or someone else to do the, whatever service you might've been providing to them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's no joke. I mean, so if there's one big message that we can stress to our audience is boy, you know, when an IRS revenue officer <laughs> does get assigned to your case, uh, it's, it's really time to start taking things seriously. That being said, and you know, our audience has heard me say this a time or two again, and that is 
it helps to have a team of professionals in your corner. So guys, walk us through what it is that you, the Bryson Law Firm, what you guys do for your clients when it comes to an IRS revenue officer being assigned to a given client's case. Uh, you know, walk us through what that process looks like, not only from your, you know, vantage point in actually dealing with the officer, but what it looks like from the client's perspective as well. Well, I mean, you know, honestly, I, I could, I guess I could joke and say I would immediately go to Angie or Brandon and give them the file, but uh, <laughs> I really probably can't say that. So let's, uh, let, let's, uh, yeah, Brandon, why don't you answer that one? <clears throat> uh, yeah. So, I mean, if it's a business, the, the main question for the client, what, what's your goal here? Are, are you trying to keep this thing open or are you getting ready to, you got to kind of figure out what their, their big goals are and getting out of the debt. I mean, it's like, it, it's like any debt. Are they trying to grow the business? Are they trying to slow down and they just got in over their head? Um, do they have property they can sell or is it, you know, a, a lot of these clients, it, it, their intentions were never bad when they got in the situation. And this, this usually isn't their only debt. So they, they have other debts they're dealing with at the same time. So you, you try to kind of walk, walk them through it to, look at it big picture and how can we get through it work with the irs get them in into some something affordable whether whether it's a settlement whether it's some sort of monthly payment plan and even sometimes it, it they don't even owe it so you might have a, an ability to dispute what they actually owe uh depending on the how they got there but i mean there's a number of different things e each case kind of brings its own own set of circumstances and and facts mm -hmm. i'm sure and yeah for me uh right again brandon's right what's your outcome goal you know i i think initially right right away we've got to decide you know what is what is the taxpayer's main objective um but out the gate you know when a new client engages us my initial reaction is i've got to get in front between the client and the IRS. Like I've got to be that, that protective barrier to protect, um, protect them. So I, I need to stop collections. I need to stop the things we just talked about with the accounts receivable. I need to try to prevent a lien from being filed. I need to, to get in front and, and stop the client, uh, stop them from contacting our client. Basically I, I'm, I'm that, that guard that that shield between them and the IRS. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I think I would add, uh, you know, that um, it, once a revenue officer is involved, it, you know, there is a, there's an access that we said, there's a human on the other side. So right. it's more like a, a traditional, you know, adversarial case then. And, and our job as advocates, I think, is to make sure that the revenue officer operates within the bounds of the law. Hold them accountable. And we yeah. hold them accountable right. to their thing. And, and, you know, I mean, they're, they're not, you know, they're not so perfect that they always operate within the bounds of the law. No. So we have to, we, I think it's our job as advocates to make sure that they follow their, follow their rules, follow their, rules yeah. their own rules mm -hmm. of collections and, and the law and make sure that, uh, you know, um, because it, it, you know, ultimately they're going to, you know, their, their job is to collect the tax, to get this client into some type of resolution. And that's our job is to resolve the case. So, you know, as, as Brandon alluded to, a lot of times it's, it's, it's not easier, but it's, it's just a different way. And it actually is easier to get the case resolved uh, with a revenue officer because you can have this collaboration back and forth well, they're people. And, and you work it through like a more traditional adversarial case that you would have uh, anyway. So, yeah, I mm -hmm. think that's right. I would say yeah. that's.
you build the relationship. And, and I mean, we, like Brandon said, I mean, we've handled hundreds of cases with the, the revenue officers here. They, they know who Brandon Juno is. They, oh, yeah. they know, you know, I who think we are. thousands. Yeah. I oh, think yeah. 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 We've been doing sure. this all day. So, well, yeah, it's really interesting to hear you guys talk about also keeping them in check because, you know, Carrie, I, I'll go back to your example again of the idea of the business owner not really realizing that they could tell them no in that moment where they came into their business, took cash out of the cash. They had the ability to say no, but they didn't and they didn't know that they couldn't. So having that shield, as Angie mentioned, to be able to be in front of you know, your client and tell them no at certain steps, you know, certain steps along the path to be able to get the best outcome for your client. Uh, boy, does that sound nice if you're uh, an individual that is faced with, you know, an IRS revenue officer that's coming to knock on your door one day. Um, well, guys, look, hey, as we've kind of covered this from, from point A to point B, moving through what it's like when an officer gets assigned to a case, any final thoughts you might want to leave our audience with before we wrap up today, just in regards to this idea as a whole and maybe what they should do if, uh, if they find themselves in this situation. I mean, I think the takeaway for me is what Brandon said. If you're in that, this category, $250,000 or a plus, um, or you have business payroll tax issues, do something now getting, yeah. getting, uh, being proactive before the revenue officer is assigned um, is critical. It, it helps the case immensely. Um, it keeps you, uh, it's less stressful for the, for the client. Um, it, but getting in, getting, getting ahead would be first. And if you have a revenue officer, obviously get some help because there are some opportunities that you need to take advantage of. Um, if you have a person to deal with. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I think I would add, uh, you know, uh, the point that I would make that I was thinking when Angie was speaking about it is that uh, that example that she gave of the lawn company, that's not a hypothetical. That was a real case that uh, she had and she did an awesome job getting resolved. So it's not like she's making this stuff up and I'm not making this stuff up about clients that getting the money grabbed out of the, out of the cash register. Right. That, those that's are real cases. Out of bounds, right? I mean, these, yeah. it sounds far-fetched when you look back and think about it, but it's really not. I mean, those, those are situations that actually happen. Uh, so yeah, we're not, we're not really, if there's not an exaggeration, uh, uh, it, it's real. Yeah. Brandon, any final uh, takeaways on your end? Yeah, no, I would kind of echo the same thing that, I mean, that the, these situations happen and these revenue officers, they're trained that, I mean, they might be doing that just to, to get you to, to move, but they don't necessarily always give you all, all of your rights. What what options do you have to stop all of this? They give you this publication the day they show up. That's probably twenty pages long with your rights that you don't even read. Uh, and unless you take advantage of all that, they're just going to continue doing what what they're allowed to do. And I mean, it it puts a strain on the business. It it almost makes it impossible at that point to to you know what they deem compliant get compliant while they're issuing levies while you're trying to stay in business and pay the taxes that are delinquent mm -hmm. difficult yeah well do. yeah absolutely uh but again uh you know it helps to be working with a team of professionals like yourselves to try and mitigate the damages that could happen along the way so guys look i appreciate you all carving some time out of your day to, to be with us and uh you know share some of your insights on on the matter i'm sure you guys probably have some phone calls to make to some irs revenue officers today so i'll let you get back to doing that um but hey i appreciate you guys being here and uh, looking forward to the next one with you thank you yeah. Ryan. Bye. 
All right. Thanks, everybody. And look, hey, we want to say one final thank you to our audience for jumping aboard and being with us here on the Facebook live stream today. Look, if you took anything away from today's conversation and enjoyed it, do us a favor. Hit that like button. Leave a comment below. Subscribe to the show on whichever platform they're checking us out on, maybe after the fact. And of course, share this information, right, with any friends or family, business owners, anybody that you think might find themselves in a similar tax-related issue. Because at the end of the day, we're bringing the tax strategies and solutions that the Bryson's are working on on a regular basis. We're bringing them right here to you on this show. We've got some great episodes keyed up for you down the road, and we'd hate to have you guys miss out on any of that beneficial information. So for Carrie and Angie, for Brandon, I'm Ryan Ruff. We're going to go ahead and say so long, but we thank you for joining us on today's installment of Talking Tax.